I've said it many times before, as brilliant a writer as Shakespeare was, he could not have created such wonderful characters without great actors to bring them to life. And I have often wondered and asked, well, who was the boy that created <laughs> Lady Macbeth? Who was the boy that made Shakespeare go, you know what, I can create a character called Cleopatra. Who was that boy? And now Dennis Abrams has answered that question with, with his new novel for uh, young adults called I Was Cleopatra. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast number 591, I Was Cleopatra. Dennis Abrams has written the new YA novel, I Was Cleopatra, the fictional memoir of John Rice, who was a boy actor in The Kingsmen, Shakespeare's acting company, and who played many of Shakespeare's signature female roles, including Lady Macbeth, Viola, and Cleopatra. I Was Cleopatra was just published last week and came to my attention when its author reached out to me via Twitter. I read the novel and loved it, so I asked Dennis to talk to me about the creation of it, and he began by telling me where he first got the idea. I'd been buried in Shakespeare for about four years. I had run a blog for Publishing Perspectives where we actually we, we did an online reading of all the plays. It took about two years to do it. Then I had all this material, and I wrote a young adult guide to the plays mm -hmm. called The Plays a Thing. And while researching that, I came across a reference in one of Gary Will's books on Shakespeare and Verdi on the young John Rice playing Cleopatra uh, with the middle-aged uh, Richard Burbage. And I just went, click, there's okay. the book. Had you read any other books about Shakespeare's company? I've pretty much read everything there is to read Wow! In, term, in terms of researching the books. What interested me was how would a 14, 15, 16-year-old boy play those roles? Yeah. Well, and, and, and my understanding is that the young boys who played the girls were typically apprenticed to the actors who acted opposite them. So in, in Burbage's case. But yes. the, the, the the relationship that you tease out in I Was Cleopatra is so wonderful is that he's also apprenticed to the older boy actor who he will probably replace someday, Alexander Cook. Exactly. It has a sort of a um, almost an all about Eve quality about it. That's right. I thought. And yeah, I mean, it would make sense because... They, 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 they would share a bed because that's what they did. They lived with, and so the relationship began. Yeah. Well, and sharing a bed back then doesn't necessarily mean it's going to become a romantic relationship. But no. in this particular case, you argue that it did. It would, I mean, you have two pretty boy actors in bed together. Yeah. <laughs> and boy actors are boy actors, I think, regardless of the period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really true. Well, and I think it's, is this... Is that part of the reason why you wanted to make it a young adult novel? Um, I just feel, com no, I, I mean, I feel comfortable writing for young adults. I think I can get the voice and I know how to speak to them in a way that's not speaking down to them. 
Yeah, very much and so. And that was that was just where the book went, and the book went in directions that I didn't necessarily plan it to go in. That's interesting. What happened that surprised you? Um, the fact that they that he and Alexandra became lovers. But what, what surprised me was that John became more ambitious mm. than I intend than I originally thought he would be. Yeah, he went after the big parts. He wanted to become known and a star, and I didn't quite see that coming at the beginning. Well, and you talked about getting his voice, which is, it's, and it's an interesting voice. It's very earnest. It's very um, sincere. You say, he says several times that he's not suited for Shakespeare's more comic roles. He's suited for the intense roles. Is that a thing you planned ahead of time, or is that a thing no, that you, dis it you discovered? Went, it just went into it. It just became. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want him to become super actor star i mean all actors have their niche yeah but what interested me was that shakespeare had this progression bang 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 of really strong women roles mm -hmm. and i figured to do that he had to have an actor who could play them because he was writing for who he had yeah in the same way that like the writers at saturday night live write for the character actors that they have you have the fat guy you have this guy who can do this kind of role yeah so it had to be the same, was my supposition. Well, and I think it's absolutely right. And how much do we really know about John Rice, the actor? Um, we don't know a whole lot. We know the, the, when he performed in front of King James, we know he did that. With the Ben Johnson with King James, we know he did that. We know he was listed as one of the principal players in the first folio. Um, and we know more about his life after the theater simply because he was working for the church and he got married. And so you have all of the records of that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was just supposition and guesswork, which, which made it interesting writing a, what I, as I called it, a fictional memoir. Well, and one of the other lovely things about it is that all the research you've done comes out in John's observations of what life was like in the early 17th century London, not only the city, but, but, but um, the theater, and we get to see the court of King James through John's eyes. Right, which he was fascinated by and then ultimately appalled by. Yeah, and is that a, is that a thing too in the historical record that King James had favorite boys that he would... Yes, Okay. that was well known, that he had his favorite pretty boys and that he had lice. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, the King James Bible, King James slept with boys and had lice. But... Right. This, the Folger Library has probably picked out some dead lice from <laughs> one of the early King James Bibles. Exactly. Um, well, and I love the idea, too. I love what you accomplish in the book about... Um, you know, we talk about the, 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 the gender fluidity of, of Shakespeare's original companies in that boys played girls who were then playing boys. But right. it seems like you take it a, a, a step farther and a step deeper into what that means, particularly for a young boy who's sort of coming of age and figure, figuring out his own... Not not just his sexual identity, but his professional identity, and what the what the um, what the act of portraying another character what what that accomplishes to your own sense of self. 
Right. And it's for, for, for John, I think it seemed to complete him. The first time he played um, a female role, Catherine in uh, Henry V, in the last, in the last act, he, see, he came into his own. Before that, he'd been playing boy roles, which is what they usually apprenticed on. Right. And uh, then he got that chance and he saw himself in the mirror and he, in the reflecting glass, excuse me. And he knew who he was, or at least a sense of who he was. In a way that he wouldn't necessarily have the terms for, yes. In uh, in in those days, yes. And there's a lovely moment where uh, I, I mean that sense of of not knowing whether you're looking in the reflecting glass or whether you're seeing something that's true or a distorted reflection. Right. Um, exactly. That stuff is all very fascinating. And then you know when you're talking about the original cast members, there's a there's a lovely section where he's playing Viola. Um, opposite the <laughs> man slash lover who, who he has supplanted playing Olivia. And there's all these echoes that must have given, must have, uh, must have given an extra frisson to the scene. It, 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 it had to have had. I mean, what, they didn't have that large a company, so you would, have run it, you would have come into that over and over again, I would assume. Well, you had a, did you have enormous amount of fun just deconstructing Shakespeare's text and what it might have meant to the people who first said these words? Yes, very much so. And I loved the scene. I loved doing the scenes where Shakespeare is talking John through the major roles. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out otherwise how he would have done it. So it had to be Shakespeare who said, "I'm going to write these parts for John, and let me help him get into it." I mean, how does a 14-year-old boy play Lady Macbeth? Yeah, I mean, Shakespeare's not only a genius playwright, he's also a great acting coach. Exactly. Well, you know, he was Shakespeare. He could do it everything. He but was yes. Shakespeare. <laughs> well, it's, and I, I love the fact that he was a character and not some distant thing. I love the fact that he appears in the book. Although I have a feeling that's going, I have a feeling that's going to ignore the, annoy the Oxfordians to no end. But oh, well, listen, it. that is one of our <laughs> major joys in life, is annoying exactly. Oxfordians. Hello, I'm Adrian Scarborough from TV's Gavin and Stacey, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Lucky you. Where can you RSC the RSC? This week, we return to William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged with performances in La Crosse and Madison, Wisconsin. And then at the end of May, we go to the Pittsburgh Public Theater to close out their season, performing long-lost shakes for four and a half weeks from May 31st to July 1st, 2018. Also, on Saturday, April 28th, you can see Reed Martin and I at the Bay Area Book Fest in Berkeley, California, talking about and signing copies of our book, Pop-Up Shakespeare, illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels, who will not be with us in Berkeley, unfortunately. If you can't join us in Berkeley either, Pop-Up Shakespeare is on sale worldwide. And for more information and tickets to our event in Berkeley, go to baybookfest.org. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with novelist Dennis Abrams talking about his new YA novel, I Was Cleopatra. We wrote William Shakespeare's Long Love First Play Abridged and, right. and in that... And in that play, um, 
Shakespeare is a young, inexperienced playwright whose genius overwhelms his craft. So <laughs> he, he has zero control or idea of what he's doing. But in your version, he not only knows what he's doing, he can articulate what he's doing and help a young actor understand what uh, the young actor is saying. Of course, this was toward the end of Shakespeare's career. Yes. And I also, I thought, gave him a, it, was, it was a lot of fun to, to write Shakespeare's uh, drunk scene at Alexander's wedding. Yes. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole fantasy aspect of, of the novel is it takes us back to a time. And, and I think that's what's so successful about it. And I think, Thank you. I, I, and I really hope that, I really hope that it finds the readership that you, uh, that you want it to find. My fingers are crossed on that. I mean, I think it's it's very personal. It's a it's not only a coming of age story; it's a sort of a coming out story, and that's lovely. Um, I can feel I can I can absolutely see that speaking to a lot of young people who are trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in. Thank you, I appreciate that. There were lots of little um, great just nuggets. Like there's there's a lullaby. Somebody sings "Golden Slumbers." which is the Beatles song and you don't explain it, but that's, I, and I guess I, if I knew that I had forgotten that, that Paul McCartney's golden slumbers fills your eyes is from an actual old song. Exactly. And so I think I thought for, for, for um, John's audition that it would, he would do something that his mother had sung to him. Yeah. It made perfect sense. How did you, what else would he, what else would he know at that point? Sure. And how did you create John's backstory growing up in Reading? Um, total imagination. He, he, good question. Um, I assume because he was more slight and feminine that he couldn't do the physical labor that 99% of the people were doing at that point. Mm -hmm. So I had to get some way to get him out. And so I gave him brothers and sisters and he didn't fit in. And after his mom died... The, the King's Men came through when they were out on tour, so to speak. Yeah. And he found his place. That scene was a lot of fun to do. The first time he watches Alexander doing um, As You Like It. And the scene with uh, Rosalind at, at, at the end where something just hit him. That, oh, okay. And you can be a boy, you can be a girl, being a boy, and people will enjoy that. Right. This is a place where I can... I can... Uh, I can express all the different aspects of who I am. Right. Even if I don't know exactly what those are at this point. Yeah. It's very unformed. And in that sense, it's a, it, 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 that was a very recognizable scene to, I would imagine, to any of us who have embraced the theater as a career. Exactly. And you see that, and you see that, that one scene or that one actor, and it just clicks. This is where I'm supposed to be. You said you read everything. Today. Do <laughs> that you... might be a slight exaggeration. Well, I was going to ask: are, are there um, are there specific um, uh, uh, reference books that you read that were helpful to you? Um, there was one book that was largely about the boy actors. Um, Gary Will's books were very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, there were books on Shakespeare's repertoire. Yeah. And who was doing what, when, because I needed to, and where the King's men were at any given time. Yeah. Because when I go on tour, I need to know that. What plays did they do in front of the King James during the 16 whatever season? Yeah. All of that, which is 
difficult to trace at times. Well, and it's I only discovered this recently is that one of the reasons we we have a sense of when Shakespeare wrote each play is based on what actors were in the company at that time and who they might have played. Exactly, and who who who, who he wrote them for. Yeah. Yes, it was also sort of fun um, or sad talking about his one failure with King Lear. Yeah. And I did give John my feelings about all's well that ends well. He hated, he hated doing the play. It's not my favorite either. <laughs> well, and you're not, you're not alone with that famously problem <laughs> yeah, play. No. There have been people who've tried to persuade me otherwise, but it's not working. <laughs> well, and, and one, of the, one of the books that I just read recently is um, um, James Shapiro's The Year of Lear. Right. Where Great talked, book. Yeah, great book, and he talks about Lear, the, all the plays that, you, that, that John appeared in. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Lear, Macbeth, and Antony and Cleopatra. Uh, ri- Shapiro makes the case that they were written um, as a reaction to, in some ways, the gunpowder plot and the ascension of James the First. Certainly, um, Macbeth was, but yes, yes. Well, and and what's fascinating me about both Shapiro's book and now your book, I Was Cleopatra, is this idea that Macbeth is a political play because you don't really see it staged so much as a political play. It's a supernatural, spooky, ooky right. play about witches. But really, it's, it's as much of a political play as Antony and Cleopatra and King, and King Lear. Exactly. But I mean, the, the thing with, with Macbeth, though, except for the parade of kings at the, uh, during the last witches um, scene, yeah. it, it doesn't really doesn't really show as overtly political because one thing Shakespeare was really good at was hiding his politics. Yeah, really good at that. <laughs> yes. So you can read them. And I mean, there's what infinite ways of reading almost every play. Yeah. Uh, going back to what you were talking about, about helping Shakespeare under uh, uh, having Shakespeare help John Rice understand the words that he's saying is there are so many because we deal with many of the comedies and there are so many lines in so many of his plays especially the comedies where I think oh this was only ever funny once when Will Kemp (laughs) said it and there and and probably not funny again when whoever replaced Will Kemp said it you know, right. uh, uh, whatever what we accept as Shakespeare's greatness and his genius was oftentimes words that his actors said where he went, oh, yeah, that'll work. Let's write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they were he was cranking the plays out and the actors had one or two days to rehearse each play. Yeah. Although I gave John an extra day for each one just because I figured he would have had to have an extra day mm-hmm. to rehearse and play the lines and figure out where he was going with it. Well, and all of that stuff, all the rehearsals, all the, t- the textual analysis that, that, that John, your character, goes through, all felt very true and very real. And um, I, I don't, you know, you, you tweeted me out of the blue that I might be interested in this. And <laughs> boy, I, I, I certainly was, and I do h- highly recommend it, and I hope that other people will, will pick it up, and I hope it's just a big hit for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I thank you for responding to my tweet. <laughs> You're welcome. I, it's, the, it's the beauty and the joy of, of the Twitter. 
That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. I Was Cleopatra is now available for sale at all the usual outlets, and you can follow Dennis on Twitter at Dennis Abrams 2, the number two. Then send us your fictional memoir via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener, and the RSC is now on Instagram too at Reduced Shakespeare Company. Thanks as always to He Was Not Cleopatra, Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Rowan Young. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Adrian Scarborough, who notably was the fool in the National Theatre production of King Lear with Simon Russell Beale. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 591-1773s of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Are you going to be doing a book tour? I'm going to some bookstore. I'm going to be doing some signings here in Texas and Dallas on the 4th at Deep Vellum. I'm going to do two readings in Houston at Brazos and Kaboom on the 11th and 19th. Um, and we're putting together some other stores from, from a larger, more extensive tour later. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.